0: Golddale, and hello to all of my fellow liberty loving Americans all across the fruited plains from sea to shining sea. This is the host who loves you the most, Luke Throop, here on another fine, fabulous, fantastic, fiery sort of feisty Friday for Torch Report 452 Fear is a weapon that cuts both ways. Friends, as we head into the weekend, I implore you to go forth and be fearless. But before you do, you do need to understand who the enemy is, who these people are, what makes them tick. And before we get into that, just a little bit of laughter here, because laughter is good medicine. I want to start out with just a little bit of a joke here. You know, The question is, can Joe Biden And a fistful of cash win rural America for the Democrats. (laughs) Can Joe Biden and a fistful of cash buy off rural America? That's the question. Friends, the answer is hell no. And nevertheless, uh, that was exactly what was out there in the news today. I took one look at that and I thought, oh, my gosh, you know, Uh, I mean, holy smokes, the federal agents in charge of rural development. They've never seen so many newly paved roads and rebuilt bridges ever before. Biden's economy must be And of course, you know, and I know that these shysters lie shamelessly. They're shameless. Okay. Uh, While conservative, traditional conservative values, traditional conservative families tend to strive toward living, uh, you know, uh, life according to a moral code of conduct, we need to understand that those on the left end of the political spectrum, the socialists, the communists, the progressives, etc., they make absolutely no qualms about lying and cheating, stealing, extorting, coercing, tricking, duping, or straight up killing off their competition. And, uh, you know, we've talked about this before. I think the sentiment was perhaps best articulated by none other than Bill Ayers himself back in a 2001 interview in the New York Times. This consummate leftist says, and I quote, Kill all the rich people, man. Break up their cars and apartments, man. Bring the revolution home, man. Kill your parents, man. That's where it's really at, man. Period. End quote. That man, Bill Ayers, said that to the New York Times, the paper of record for uh for all those <laughs> unfamiliar, right? But I can't believe he actually said, kill all the rich people, man! Bring the revolution home, kill your parents, man. And you know, ah, this is what we're up against, friends. Now, I, I, digging into the archives a little bit, I realized, wow, the first time I reported on this uh, stunning and grotesque call to action was way back in Torch Report 166. Understanding what we're up against, this mentality—it's—it's it's an infectious mental disease, but it's—it's it's more than that, friends. It's—it's it's a complete lack of morality and. In Torch Report 166, we dove into the mindset of the ends justify the means. That's the mindset that was heavily promoted by Bill Ayers, of course, and also by Saul Alinsky, uh, who wrote the Rules for Radicals. Bill Ayers was the militant, you know, radical... Uh, environmentalist, but a militant domestic terrorist. He he modeled the weather underground on the Chinese communist Red Guard. And then Saul Alinsky, who was his mentor, he dedicated his rules for radicals to Lucifer. Okay, so these are the people that we're talking about here. And together... Both Saul Alinsky and Bill Ayers, these men's had a profound impact on both Barack Hussein Obama and Hillary Cankles Clinton. So, by extension, these two uh, Luciferian commies have had a significantly outsized impact on American politics. Right now, being the fact that we're still enduring, you know, what some would call. Obama's third term, and we're facing the very uh, real possibility that we're going to see Obama's fourth term. Uh, I think it would be prudent for us to revisit some of their twisted thinking. What is going on in these people's heads? And we only need to look right at their own words to, to see what, what's going on there. You know, in in Rules for Radicals, Saul Alinsky says this "Quote." The man of action views the issues of means and ends in pragmatic and strategic terms. He has no other problems. He thinks only of his actual resources and the possibilities of various choices of action. He asks of the ends only whether they are achievable and worth the cost. Of means, he only asks whether they will work. Period. End quote. Now, as I was rereading that this morning, just like the Communist Manifesto, you know, I've studied the rules for radicals. I've read these words over to try to understand what's going through these people's head, okay? Understanding what we're up against here. So rereading those words this morning, it reminded me of what we were talking about just yesterday when I was talking about, you know, when I say surrender your story and accept what is... The, the outcome of doing that is essentially, the, the, right, you know, the second sentence in that excerpt, friends, when, when he says, uh, we have no other problems, blah, blah, or the, the man of action has no other problems, he only thinks of his actual resources and the possibilities of his various choices of action, that is exactly the outcome of surrendering the story, accepting what is, okay? When you surrender your story, you have no other problems. The, the problems in your head are created by a story. Okay? When you accept the gift of life just as it is, you think only of the actual resources that you have available to you at your disposal, the tools, the weapons. Okay. When you write a news story, you chart a path through the possibilities of various choices of actions. And so, you know, Saul Alinsky, just like all the, you know, evil leftists, they there's a the thread of truth in what they say, but they twist it and they warp it. You know, Sa- says Alinsky, uh, you know, the man of action asks of the ends only whether they are achievable and worth the cost, of means only whether they will work. And generally... When a conservative critiques Saul Alinsky's rule for radicals, you know, like I, last time I was analyzing these words, the focus is on the lack of moral grounding. That's what leads to kill all the rich people, man. You know, there's just no moral grounding. There's no moral consideration at all. And if your burning passion and singular purpose in life was to destroy the capitalist pigs and violently usher in a communist revolution, well, you know, killing all the rich people, that'd be a pretty effective means of doing it would it not? So we see the, the ends justify the means. And again, you know, to, to anyone with a moral conscience, you'd be rightly abhorred by the very thought of it. Kill all the rich people, man. Kill your parents, man. That's where it's at, man. That's where the revolution's at. Bring it home, man. Okay? Anybody with a moral conscience would be absolutely abhorred by that. And therein lies the weakness that is so consistently exploited, the conservative weakness that is consistently exploited by the leftist commie hacks. They know that we generally play by the rules, right? People, you know, conservatives, they strive to be good people. You know, we don't want to break the law. We want to obey the law, to respect the law. We don't want to kill people we disagree with, We just want to help them understand and learn the error of their ways. You know, we don't want to do anything radical or unethical because someday we're going to be facing eternal judgment standing before God. Now, in this moment, I ask you to reflect on these tendencies, to obey and respect the law, to to not, you know, just want to kill the people we disagree with, but try to help them understand, you know, all this kind of stuff. Uh, Do these words resonate with you first and foremost? You know, do they, do they describe your general attitude, uh, your, your general moral orientation toward life? If you're a patriot, if you're a conservative, if you're a Christian, you know, liberty-loving American, do, do you resonate with these words? And one more thing I want to ask is, can you see how each of these beliefs is based on a story? You know, think about it. You know, we don't want to break the law. We want to obey the law. But what what about if uh, the law is unjust, right? Does does obeying the law make you a good person? Or is that just a story? Would would trying to help somebody who was trying to kill you, trying to help them, try to explain, well, you don't really want to kill me because then you might go to jail. You'd sacrifice all, all these years of your life. And plus, my family would suffer. Is that going to stop somebody from trying to kill you? Would that ever work? Of course not. You know, is being nice and kind and meek really a winning strategy? Say if you were in a street fight or something, or is that just the story, you know, that we don't want to do anything radical or unethical because someday we're going to stand before God, you know, does, does facing judgment before God prohibit you from doing anything radical or unethical? Or is even that really just a story? Friends, in every case, the answer is yes and no. Yes. Each of the thoughts, you know, each of these thoughts, they're based on a story that you've heard, you've learned, maybe you've been taught at some point in your life or you just picked it up somewhere. You've accepted these stories as truth and as such, they have created internal barriers that are little more than just walls of words that ultimately form a sort of mental cage. Okay, you following me here? I'm aware that I may be tiptoeing into a kind of touchy subject area here, and that some of my Christian brothers and sisters may be wondering, Luke, what the hell are you talking about? Where are you going with all this here? Okay, please understand me. I am not advocating for moral subjectivity, and I am not advocating for unethical behavior. Instead, what I'm trying to do here is I am explaining how the mind works, how the mind creates these illusions that ultimately restrict us from taking certain actions. And right now, we need to take some certain actions. So, in some cases, when the mind is creating this, this, uh, this, you know, sort of mental cage, these invisible walls. Sometimes we can think of it like, well, that's just self discipline. That's just moral restraint, right? I mean, sure, yeah, yeah, okay, I get that. But in other cases, this moral restraint, which itself is just based on a story, it's invisible walls, okay, the moral restraint can be absolutely disastrous and debilitating. And I want, you know, to say that moral restraint can be absolutely disastrous and debilitating. I understand that some people may be thinking, uh, I've lost my mind. Maybe. That's, you know, that's kind of a daily thing here. But one, one silly sort of example, I think, will illustrate this. I'm not sure if you're familiar with the Hindu monks, the Jainian monks, whose mental walls, whose moral restraints, whose personal beliefs, whose stories Prevent them from killing bugs. Have you heard about these Janes? J-A-I-N. They're, they're kind of a sect of Hindu Hinduism. At any rate, I'm going to read a little excerpt here from Wikipedia. They say, the, the, Jain, Mende- uh, the Jain monks abide by a rigorous set of rules of conduct, uh, conduct where they must eat, sleep, and even walk with full diligence and with an awareness that even walking kills several hundreds of minute beings. Jain aesthetics sweep the ground before them to avoid injuring the most minuscule forms of life. They generally brush the ground clear of insects before they tread. Period. End quote. You know how compassionate, right? I mean, you want you want to take compassion to the to the fullest extent. That's very compassionate. And you know, just just to keep our discussion grounded in some relatable Western thinking here, I think it's worth noting. That the Bible actually speaks to the issue of killing insects as well, uh, albeit in a slightly indirect fashion. I did put a link in the report today, if you're into diving into that. But it goes even farther. The Bible actually tells us in Leviticus, you know, what bugs we can and cannot eat. Okay, so that there's <laughs> just a just to frame it a little bit there. But really, none of this really matters. What really matters are the stories that people accept and how the stories that people accept direct their personal behavior, their beliefs, and ultimately it affects the actions that they take or don't take, okay, based on the stories that they accept. So right now, in history, now is a time for massive action. We need action in a major sort of way. And it is my sincere belief, dare I say it is a fact, that despite the need for massive action... Far too many people are apathetic. They are complacent. They are unwilling to make the difficult choices that must be made in order to restore justice and the rule of law in the United States of America. The punishment for treason is death, is it not? Now, in every case, the apathy, the complacency, the unwillingness to take action, they're always justified by a story. Okay. Hence the need to surrender our stories. Remember, I said the other day I was going to come at this from a lot of different angles to try to drive the point home. This may be the last time I harp on it for a while, but I really want this to stick. And I want to give you just one practical example uh, before really drilling down here. You know how how our stories cause apathy, complacency, and an unwillingness to take action. Okay. How are we supposed to overcome and defeat? the beast of federal bureaucracy. How are we going to do that? Now, let's just say there are two hypothetical solutions for this hypothetical thought experiment. The first solution, hypothetically speaking, is to have our elected representatives stop funding the government. The second hypothetical solution is to stop paying federal taxes. Okay, just two solutions there. And, you know, since the beast of bureaucracy is, is largely a nameless and faceless, you know, there's millions of agents and officials spread all throughout the land. Slaying the beast must be understood metaphorically, right? That, that makes starving the beast the most practical solution. So we've got these two hypothetically practical solutions to have the elected representatives stop funding the government or to stop paying federal taxes. Ultimately, stop allowing the bureaucrats... To steal your money and then recklessly spend it on gender-affirming care in Afghanistan, for example. Stop giving them your money. Stop paying for the abuse. Stop funding their open defiance of the Constitution and the trampling of your rights. Stop feeding the beast that seeks to devour your freedom. That seems pretty straightforward, right? I mean, just stop paying your taxes, period. That's taxation without representation. And yet, immediately... The inner resistance arises. Well, I, I can't do that. I mean, all sounds good, but I can't do that, you know. That's not, that's not really possible, Luke. Uh, Luke, that's just, that's just not practical. I got a job. I got a mortgage. I got a car. Whatever, whatever, you know. Or maybe, I, you know, Luke, I don't know. I don't know about that. I don't know how. I don't want to get in trouble. I don't want to do anything wrong or illegal. And then, of course, my favorite despicable justification is, quote, give unto Caesar what is Caesar's. End quote. Ah! <laughs> but, you know, can you see how all of these are just stories? I can't do that. That's not possible. It's not practical. I don't know how. Give unto Caesar. These are internal barriers. You can stop paying your taxes. Plenty of people pay no taxes at all. Some do it legally, some do it extra legally. You know, to, to claim that it's not, it's just not practical to, for me to stop paying my taxes, that's just laziness. Okay. That's just complacency. To, to claim that you don't know how to stop paying your taxes, that's just an excuse too. That's, that's just apathy. Okay, I'm just calling it like it is. A different story would be where there's a will, there's a way. So if you want to starve the beast of bureaucracy and stop paying your taxes, where there's a will, there's a way. Learn. Talk to an accountant, a creative accountant, okay? Uh, or educate yourself. But the, the different story, rather than accepting that we can't do anything, it's not possible or practical, where there's a will, there is a way. So as far as uh, give unto Caesar goes, friends, honestly, when I hear that, it just makes me want to puke. I, I, I despise it when people cherry pick passages from the Bible to justify some flimsy sort of worldview and rationalize blind compliance with state edicts. It's absolute, utter foolishness. But again, it's just a story. And surrender the story, that's your secret weapon. That's how we can ex- escape the mental cage, by surrendering the story. That's how we move beyond the invisible barriers. That's how we overcome the obstacles and the odds. Peace and courage and inner strength come from within, from surrendering our stories and accepting life just as it is. We are, in fact, up against an enemy who has completely liberated themselves from moral restraint. Okay, I think we can all see that. They believe that the ends justify the means. That the communist revolution justifies all manner of violence and lies. They will kill you without hesitation. They will starve you without losing sleep. They will destroy everything you love and hold dear. And they will do it with a smile on their smug, arrogant faces. And you want to know what the worst part of it is, friends? They're going to get away with it. I mean, they've already gotten away with so much. They've gotten away with so much for so long. The enemy is bold. Evil is emboldened. And they're playing for keeps, friends. We've entered their game. They're in their end game now. And we've been losing ground day by day, day by day, month after month, year after year. And at this point, there are very few options left for restoring the republic. Keep that in mind this weekend, friends, when you hear people squawking about the impeachment inquiry or Hunter Hunter Biden's gun charges as if these are important issues. It's all just political theater, friends. None of it does a damn thing to save our country. And unfortunately, it's going to take More than a lot of people not paying their taxes to save our country as well. Just in case that wasn't obvious, friends. It's going to take blood, sweat, and tears. It's going to take sacrifice and honor. It's going to take hardship and suffering. It's going to take surrendering our comfort, compliance, and certainty. It will require surrendering the stories that keep us passive, that keep us placid, that keep us soft. Our future, friends, has yet to be written. But... I believe that this battle is going to come down to the last man standing. If more men don't step up and step up soon, we're destined to lose and lose badly, friends. And if this speaks to you, you know what to do. Go forth and be fearless. Remember that fear is a weapon that cuts both ways, says Thomas Jefferson. When governments fear the people, there is liberty. When the people fear the government, there is tyranny. Can you imagine a story in which the government fears the people? I can, friends. And in my story, the only way that we lose is by continuing to do nothing. And that is the message of my heart for today, friends. If you're enjoying this podcast, please take the time to go to the website, find a little heart, click the heart, give me some love, subscribe if you have not subscribed already. Of course, the greatest honor of all is if you share this podcast with everyone you know. and Get out there and embrace this fine, fabulous, fantastic Friday. Have a wonderful weekend, and I'll look forward to talking to you again soon.